Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! Welcome to Sports on a Sunday Morning. America's Sports Voice, KMOX. James, just have your finger on the uh, dump button just in case, because I'm playing this unedited from Facebook Live, and I don't think we say anything inappropriate until the towards the end of it, but just to be sure, okay? Are you cool with that? James O'Sullivan's our producer. I'm Tom Ackerman. Brian Kelly's also in the room uh, anchoring our news. I know you uh, are a huge Blues fan. You have yes. a Stanley Cup champions hat on. And mm-hmm. Chris Pronger was really good. He was. I watched that the other night. Thoroughly enjoyed it. What was he doing? Was that little scotch and soda? Yeah, he was having anything? tequila. Oh. He was drinking tequila. So the, oh. it's kind of the backstory is we're getting started. We're backstage, so to speak. So mm-hmm. this is uh, our garage happy hour that we do on Thursdays. On Facebook Live, it's also on Periscope on Twitter. Uh, Overhead Door Company of St. Louis is the sponsor of the Garage Happy Hour that I do every Thursday. And uh, I asked Prongs to do it. So he comes on camera backstage with Sam Masterson, the digital content coordinator here at Intercom. And he's in his garage. Sam is at home. And I look, and I'm holding a beer. I'm about to open a beer, and I see he has a tequila. I'm like, oh. Okay, Gotta well, I'll be up, right. Man. I'll be right back. <laughs> so I go to the bar and I pour a little Defiance whiskey. That's from right here. My buddy uh, Daniel Fort and his family uh, poured a little Defiance on the rocks. So we ha- he had a I had a whiskey, a mm-hmm. bourbon, and he had a uh, tequila, and we told stories. It was great for a good hour or so, a yeah. little little under an hour before we went to the Cardinals game. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot of fun, and I wanted to take a listen. We'll start with. His first year as the Blues. Think about this. His first year with the Blues, he goes from the Hartford Whalers, traded for Brendan Shanahan, so he's not liked yeah. already by uh-huh. the fans, and he walks into a room that has Wayne Gretzky, Brett Hall, Al McInnes, Grant Fuhrer, Greg McTavish. I was just going to say McTavish was here at the time. Yeah, we got yeah. big names in that room. Oh Mike Keenan is the coach. Here is Chris Pronger. A young man then, and now a Hall of Famer and a member of the Florida Panthers front office. Yeah, no, it was, uh, that was an awfully weird first year for me here in St. Louis with obviously the notoriety of the trade for Shanny and, and everything that entailed after that and the Boo Birds and, and me coming into camp and Keenan and Keenan sending me and Grant Fear to the fat farm to go get back into shape and, um, it was uh, it was weird, but I'll tell you, it was uh, it was fun to see how Gretzky handled the notoriety, how he 
um, dealt with all the eyeballs and, and, and the mayhem from the media and the public and, and the scrutiny uh, from, from all the fans. It was uh, impressive to see. And he, uh, you know, I learned an awful lot about what a superstar athlete has to deal with day in and day out and how that, um, how that can really affect their psyche can affect kind of how they they manage their day to day. I mean, he would he would come out and he would have a good time, but he was in his bedroom in his in his hotel, whatever, at nine o'clock. It was almost like nine o'clock's my curfew. You know, normally you hear like nothing good happens after twelve o'clock. For him, honestly, it was like nothing good happens after nine o'clock. Yeah. Like. That's kind of when things can get a little crazy. And I mean, it was, it was amazing to watch on the road. You know, he'd put his bag, put his bags in his room. We'd go out for dinner or whatever. Uh, nine o'clock. I mean, it was like bang, bang out the door, gone right, right into the wrapper. And to, to be able to see him, as I mentioned earlier, handle that scrutiny, but in practice, you know, like like the traveling Wilburys, all the all the media members that that followed us. Once we acquired Gretzky, the the media that followed us, it wasn't just the the beat writers and the St. Louis crew. It was the masses, like all the Canadian media, all the 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 big American media. Everybody was following the St. Louis Blues, and it was uh, it was a good indoctrination into how a, a like a, a real superstar athlete. And, yeah. and kind of what happens when you think of that, you're thinking of that era. You're thinking Jordan, Gretzky, Lemieux, uh, you know, Joe Montana and, and, and the like, just crazy. You know, much like when McGuire got here to St. Louis, the yeah. notoriety in the media that was here was crazy. Yeah. I mean, think about, like, have you been watching or? Love it. You Love it. I already know what you're going to say. Right. I, I know you do because we've known each other a long time. The last dance, um, unbelievable, unbelievable, and I don't care if there's some criticism that it's not a true documentary because he approved the content. Whatever, man, that that thing is deep. It, it really it reminds me of so many things in sports that you don't see behind the curtain. The battle between player and front office. <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah. So think about, you're exactly right. There's so much that goes on. Wayne Gretzky's a human being. Yeah. I think. No, he's a human being. And there's so much that comes down on a player. There was a lot that was coming down on you. You were traded for Shanahan. There's a lot that's on so many different people in that moment, that season. But I also thought about, you know, all the front office stuff that was going on behind the scenes. I mean, you know, you, you're in the front office now, but, I mean, you've been traded. You, you've had some things go on behind the scenes where you're like, you know, what do I have to do? And then, after all that, you go out and have to play at a world-class level. Yeah, no, it's funny. Like, watching The Last Dance, it's uh, – you, you now 20 – what is it? 20 – well, 22 years since that – 23 years since that was, was filmed to see how things have evolved and, and – you can see the the rift between the players and management, the players and ownership, 
and how that, I mean, it, times don't change <laughs> as much as we think times don't change because players want to win. And especially when you've won the same thing, honestly, the way that kind of that season is playing out is, is very similar to the way our, our season played out in Anaheim afterwards where, you know, Scotty and Tamu kind of screwed it up a little bit saying they were going to retire and they needed some time off. And we then went out and signed some players and then they said they were coming back and they still had contracts so they could. And we had to trade players and do all that stuff. But the following year it was, we're going to trade this guy. We're going to trade that guy, you know, where we thought as players, we could still win and we could still compete at that high level you know, the higher ups and, and everybody else within the organization that had a say wanted to turn the page. And, and, you know, you're seeing that play out kind of in the last dance where, um, you know, Jordan is at his peak and, and, you know, maybe kind of on the downside, but he's still the best player in the league. Rodman's a rebound machine and Scotty Pippen at the time was still the best second fiddle in the league. So, um, you know, you always wonder if they could have won the fourth, but uh, it, it, it's remarkable watching that in the compete level. I was talking to our GM in Florida's Dale Talon, who at the time did uh, media for the Blackhawks and was their radio guy. And at the time, the same radio station did the Bulls. And he was telling me, he was like, watching Michael Jordan in practice, there's nothing like it. He was so competitive, never, ever, ever took a day off, never, like, it, just listen to him. You get goosebumps because you get so fired up. You you want to play with a player like that that is that competitive. And, and you know, watching the last dance last week, seeing, you know, the, the Olympic team and how they had their battles and, and they started chirping him and how he just took it up another notch. Like, that's... That's what you want to see from a, a superstar against the best players in the league at the time. And he schooled them all. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so hard to do, first of all, to play at that level, but to win at that level over and over, it's, it's remarkable to watch. You know, I, I look back at, uh, first of all, there was a question up on the screen that makes me think about the recent championship that we just had, which is the Stanley Cup. Adam Tate asked, looking at coaches, Craig Berube, is that a coach that you would enjoy playing for? I feel well, like Adam, I can answer this, Adam, just so you know, I did play for Craig. Craig was my assistant coach in Philly uh, when I got there. When I got traded there, Craig Berube was assistant coach. And I remember... We fired John Stevens like 11, 12 games into the season. We brought in Peter Laviolette. And at the time, I was in uh, our GM, Paul Holmgren's office, talking to him just just about Lavi and about, you know, kind of how it all happened and, and, you know, the direction and what we're trying to do, et cetera. And he told me then, and this is 09, 2009. This is 11 years, 11 years ago. Craig Berube is going to make an amazing head coach. Just, he gets, you know, A, the way he played the game, he gets it, the work and, and all that. B, his hockey sense. Everybody looks at Chief as this tough guy and on and on and on. 
but how dialed in he was to his job, his role, knowing his role, all that stuff, like just it, it's not necessarily as easy as people make it out to be that, oh, well, you put this guy here and you put this guy here and it's that easy. A lot of players don't want to buy into the role they're given. And it's it, a lot of times it's incumbent upon this the head coach to get the player to buy in, to get him to understand how that's going to help our team win, how that's going to affect his teammates and and in their ability to play better and, and on and on and on and how that cycle goes, he gets it. And and when you listen to him in his, his press conferences and you listen to him, the the key and, and the best example I can give is last year in the playoffs against San Jose, when the hand pass happened, they score a goal. He immediately got in the room, turned the page, he goes into the media and he knows every player is going to be watching his press conference it's over with. We can't stop. We can't change it now. Like, we're not going to go out and play the game over. We lost the game. We know we should have got better. Turn the page. Deal with it. Go in the next one. And when you when you look at the response from the players, a lot of times you'll see players, you know, with the droopy shoulders and the complaining and the, oh, we got screwed by the refs and on and on and on. He set the tone right out of the gate. Quickly after the game with the with the players, and then with the media knowing they're going to see it over and over and over again, that it's going to be instilled in their minds. All right, well, let's let's not worry about now. Let's worry about the game, the next game, which I think was game four. Was it game four or game two? I think uh, it was game two. Was game. Game two. Yeah, might have been game two. But anyways, four. It just. Masterful, and and he has that, you know. And obviously, you know, I'll, I'll give the second story, which everybody probably already knows. I mean, he was one of the toughest guys in the league, bar none. And when we when we were playing, when I was in Philly playing, and he was assistant coach, Colt, Colt Nor in Toronto was was obviously one of the heavyweights in the league. You know, standing standing by our bench in the face at, at a faceoff, and he, I'm on the ice, but he turns at the bench and he's like. Any of you guys want to go, with the exception of you, Chief, because I know, you know, like, uh, you know, it was amazing to see that that interaction and how still he had that much respect for Chief and what he did in the league and how he went about his job and, and, and his role in the league. The hit, for him to have that much respect for him at, I don't know, late 40s, whatever Chief was at the time, was pretty impressive. That is so. It's a, such a cool story, and I, I really have a lot of respect for him and what he's done with the team. But I know the respect that people have for him as a player. That guy, yeah, is physical, a great fighter. A lot of the things that you were, Chris, but you learned going into the league. Like the NHL is just a different world. It is physical. The players are big, and I think you learned right away when you went to Hartford that right out of the gate, it's just different. Yeah, no, it's certainly not junior hockey where at the time when I my my draft year, you know, we we had a we had a really good team in Peterborough. We had we had we had one of the toughest guys in the league. We had a number of other guys that were um you know, middle to heavyweight that you know, we we were not a light team as as people might say. We were a heavy team. But we also had a lot of skill. We had our top line, all three guys had over 100 points. 
Uh, I think I had 77 points my draft year in the regular season. Brent Tully, who was drafted the previous year, who was my partner, had 70 points. Like we had, we had skill, we had toughness, we had we had a really good combination. And then you look at how, and and we still lost, <laughs> which is <laughs> remarkable. We lost in the finals of Memorial Cup, but. We still lost, which you then look back on now, and 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 obviously being in St. Louis, we look back on the 20, 2019 Blues and the depth that they have. We had two scoring lines and two checking lines. We lost to the Sioux Greyhounds, two St. Mary Greyhounds in the finals of Memorial Cup. They had three scoring lines and a checking line. So they, you know, that third line gave us matchup problems. And, and the Blues, you know, to, to the credit of a lot of their young players who stepped up throughout the course of, of last season, created that fourth line, which was a checking line, but also could score goals and, and did score goals. The third line was the deep line where they provided so much offense, so much of that, those intangibles. Do you look at the goal Pat Maroon scored against Dallas to to clinch the series? And they may not have scored a lot, but the goals that they did score were timely. And then you look at the back end with with Petro's coming out party, and obviously Franco and and Bo with their shutdown role that they had. Uh, they had a lot of different facets that some teams just don't have. And the, the you know. I could go on and on about the nuances of teams and how they're built and, and why certain teams win and why certain teams lose. But at the end of the day, when you look at their team, it's Jordan Bennington. You yeah. know, I can go into saying this, that, and I could say cheap this and cheap that, but if they don't have a goalie that makes the save, they're not winning. Just like us in Anaheim in 07, Briz played amazing in that first round, and then Jiggy came in and, and took over. Jiggy was lights out, lights out. If you do not have a goalie that can make the save because every single team has breakdowns, I don't care if you're giving up four grade A chances or 14 grade A chances. If your goalie can't stop a grade A chance, you're still giving up four and you're not winning in the playoffs, giving up four goals. You're just not. No, they're just not. It's so goaltending at the, at the end of the day is the ultimate the ultimate that is chris pronger what a fun time that was and we went on for another half hour if you want to see it it's on the KMOX sports facebook page or the KMOX twitter page but you'd have to kind of scroll down to find that the KMOX sports facebook page it is a 45 to 50 minute conversation we had called the garage happy hour it gets pretty good where he starts talking about his departure in st louis and it did not it was not good and he's not happy about it. And he made it a point to stick it to St. Louis, not you, the fans, but to the team when he would play against them. He wanted to. And he ended up following leaving the Blues, taking the Edmonton Oilers to the Stanley Cup final. They were an eight seed. And they beat the team that tormented him when he was a Blue. The reason those Blues teams didn't win, they had to play Detroit. They had to play Dallas. They had to play Colorado when those teams were at their peak. What did he do when he joined Edmonton? They beat Detroit, the number one seed, when they were in eight, went to the Stanley Cup final and lost. 
But And then he ended up winning a Stanley Cup with Anaheim. Terrific career. Great guy. I think you'll really enjoy the rest of the conversation on our Facebook Live, our Garage Happy Hour. My guest coming up for Thursday. I'll announce that here in the next couple of days. We have another one, uh, Garage Happy Hour, on Thursday at 530 on Facebook Live. When we come back, we'll get you updated on a couple of sports notes, and then we'll have John Mosellock at the bottom of the hour, the Cardinals president of baseball operations, get his thoughts on what baseball is doing for 2020. At 11.45, Chris Raby of our KMOX Sports staff as we lead you into Game 6 of the 2011 World Series. It is airing today in its entirety, starting at noon, on the home of the Cardinals, KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman. This is Sports on a Sunday Morning. From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Oh, it's going to be fun today. Noon is the start. We'll get you into Game 6 of the 2011 World Series, playing it in its entirety here on KMOX for Mother's Day. Four hours and 33 minutes, and we're joined now by the President of Baseball Operations, John Mosellock, who was in the house on that great day. I remember seeing you down in the clubhouse afterwards, and we all had that shocked look on our face like, wow, what did we just watch? Amazing. Yeah, good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all. And, uh, yeah, that should be a fun four and a half hours. Yeah, you bet. Uh, When you think back to the immediate feelings after game six, what do you remember? Well, you you know, first off, when you think back to to that whole postseason run, but I think that game in itself sort of put it all together. In other words, it felt like you're playing with house money. And so – to get through that game to win it, which, you know, like you could spend days just dissecting that game alone. But having said that, I, I just recall like getting downstairs, um, you know, saying like, look, we, we, we dodged a huge one and uh, let's enjoy it. And you certainly did. And then the next day, the Cardinals with Chris Carpenter on three days rest, go on and win the world series in a remarkable baseball game. The 10, nine game will go down in history as one of the greatest ever, it depends on who you talk to. Cardinals fans certainly will tell you it's the best baseball game ever played. Certainly was the craziest. I mean, there was some stuff going on in there. It was like everything you'd ever seen in a baseball game. It happened. I, it was it was bizarre at times, wasn't it? It was really incredible. Yeah, I, I mean, I can always describe it as sort of the uh, you know that quote of the best of times and worst of times, but kind of reverse, right? It was like the worst of times, best of times, but there were like just so many things that that could have gone the other way and 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 just to come out on top was really just amazing. It was indeed. There were a lot of respect for that Rangers team that had gone up 3-2 on you and the Cardinals found a way and you're going to hear that entire game today on KMOX starting at noon. In the meantime, we're chatting with Mo and it is a big day. Mother's Day is a very thankful day for all of us because we wouldn't be where we are without the great dedication of our moms uh, to help us along the way, whether it was me trying to get into broadcasting and the dream and her pushing me in that direction, you making your way into the game of baseball and everything that you enjoyed as a young man. Um, a lot of it does have to do with our parents and what they taught us, Mo. Well, it does. And, you know, for all of us that, that sort of work in the baseball industry and that played Little League and, and, you know, through high school, it was 
you know, the mom took you to the ballpark, mom uh, made your lunch, mom packed your bag. I mean, mom did so many things for you. And, uh, you know, I was blessed. I uh, had a wonderful mother who, um, you know, always kept me on on, on time and, and moving in the right direction and uh, very grateful for all she did for me. And now I watch my, my wonderful wife do the same for my kids. And it's, uh, I saw a really funny video the other day on, on mothers. And um, I don't know if you've seen this, but it's a, a, someone posted like a job interview and they're going through all the responsibilities for the job and they're just insane. But what it really was describing was what it was to be a mother. And I think it like captured it perfectly. And um, they really do wear many, many hats, and uh, it can be thankless at times. But um, for all of us that recognize the importance of it, it's it's great to say thank you. Yes, and it more is. than just on Mother's Day. That's right. A very good point, and this is a a good way to remind people of that that we can continue to do it all the time. And today's a very special day for them, and a special day for us to thank them and your wife Julie. I mean, that's. Uh, it, it, when you talk about any ball player, um, the family plays a big part in the ball player, manager, staff member, front office member. You do have a responsibility. A lot of times you're away, and uh, they do take care of a lot of things at home. Right now we've been, I think, as dads, uh, seeing a lot of that firsthand, right? I mean, here we are in, in quarantine, and we're trying to chip in as best we can. No one can do it quite like yeah. mom, but we're trying. Yeah, and I'm trying not to disrupt it because at some point I know it's going to go back to normal to some level. And, and uh, but yeah, I, I don't want to be like a pain or, or a roadblock. So I just do what I'm told. <laughs> I'm sure you're good at, at some of the chores around the house and running errands. I don't mind. I don't <laughs> mind running errands. I'm not errand running as much as I used to, though. I'm yeah, doing a I lot of the... say No one, no one is. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> the whole like, point. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> You know, I do think if you do have an errand strategy, the best one is, you know, do one and that's it and then return. I'm really good right. at ordering things on my phone and then at arranging curbside. I've I've gotten pretty resourceful there. You kind of have to figure out who does the same day, who's the quickest and that kind of thing. But there, there are so many that are doing a good job. Well, I mean, soon we'll get back. I don't know if there will ever be a normal, quote-unquote, like we knew it. Things are going to change in society. They're going to change in our business. And baseball will change in the immediate uh, period of time, and then we'll see what that looks like in 21-22. But for right now, in 2020, the wheels are turning, John, and we are seeing some progress. What can you tell us, as far as you can tell us right now in that regard? Well, I think a lot of what's being written about or what people are, are reading you know, there's probably some truth to, to some of those things, but it's like pieces. There's, there's no like sort of aggregate strategy yet because there's still, you know, those hurdles that I, I talk about every week in terms of, of understanding health and, and testing. And then, you know, talking about what the economics of all this might look like. But, you know, I, I feel like this will be a big week for baseball. Um, You know, there's, you're starting to see a lot of states open up. So you're going to have state and, and local municipalities starting to give you an idea if in your given city, will there be able to be perhaps sporting events um, by midsummer? And and so I think all of this is, is going to start moving 
a little bit quicker, which I, I guess is encouraging. But, um, you know, until we actually have that sort of concrete roadmap or exact plan that, that's being put out there, it's, it's hard for me just to sort of speculate and weigh in on. But like like everyone, we're, we're hopeful and, you know, our fingers are crossed that um, at some point we'll see baseball. Uh, there are things that have been reported, as in the draft being uh, trimmed down to five rounds. Is that official? And do you have comment on that? That is not. Okay. Um, you know, I, I know that that um, I, I think Monday it'll go in front of the uh, either executive committee or ownership group at some point to to maybe finalize what the proposal looks like, but. Again, there there are many different iterations of what the draft may or may not look like. I mean, clearly the clock's ticking, right? We're, we're what, about a month away from when that would happen if uh, we hold to the original date. Clearly you could, could move that as well. So, you know, right now I, I think uh, the easiest thing for people in my position to do is react once we know what we're doing. And, and so that's been my strategy all along um, rather than speculate. It's kind of like your comments on – when we were talking about Yachty last week, you put this in really good perspective is that, look, you know, we're talking about, of course, we we love Yachty or Molina. Everybody loves Yachty. But we're talking about 2021 there when right now the, the goal is what is this season even going to look like and what will next season look like as a result, right? I mean, in, 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 our, in the business, you have to take this slow and stay in the present, I would imagine. Well, I think that's the only way you can go about it. It's just imagine in your own life right now. I mean, everything is is pretty much day to day for most people. And you know, when you're asking a a league or a, a industry to lay out what they expect the next hundred days to look like and how we would play through it, there's so many complications. And and so for us, it's it's just trying to manage what we know is going to be on the the, the, the maybe the short view, if you will, next 30 days, and then what maybe the longer view starts to look like. But um, how you used to define those world words are, are way different than they, they are today because it really is day-to-day. And, you know, even in our little game of baseball at times, like what we think was going to happen doesn't. And so, you know, remaining nimble and flexible is probably the best thing all of us can do right now. And, um Maybe even the better way to think about it is, is just remain optimistic because, you know, we're, we're hopeful that, that baseball will be played, even though we're very aware that there are complications. Right. We're dealing with a very serious thing here in this pandemic. The hope and optimism does keep people going. I feel like in our game, really in all sports, but we're closer to the Cardinals right now and to baseball, is that people are just itching for something to talk about, discuss, feel I had uh, many text conversations with friends and coworkers who say, I just miss the release of just shutting off the world for a little while and listening to my team play, you know, listening to baseball. And we've replayed the 2011 season. We're going to keep going with more classic games, and that's awesome. But the the release of just feeling the day-to-day of baseball as a fan, I get that, and they want something and something to talk about. And I think that if it's played in front of no fans or whatever it is, the sound of baseball is going to be very, very welcome to everybody involved. Well, I agree. And I, I certainly hope so. I think really all of us who, who 
are adapting to what we now consider the new normal, anything that would would add a little bit of difference or excitement into our day-to-day is is what we want to see. And so, you know, whatever that might look like, we're we're all open-minded to it because, you know, we're certainly missing the things that we used to, I won't won't say take for granted, but things that, that used to be so commonplace just can't be done anymore. Hey, I haven't asked you about this yet, but I have talked to Mike Schilt about it. I had Chris Pronger on uh, my Garage Happy Hour. You might have to do one of those with me. It's pretty fun. Uh, We sit around and (laughs) we have a drink and talk. But um, we've talked about The Last Dance, the Bulls documentary. I don't think you and I have talked about that, but have you been able to get into that and admire what Jordan and that team did. And I, you know, it really opens up all the stuff that was going on behind the scenes. It's amazing. It's hard enough to win. How do you win championship after championship with all of this turmoil happening behind the scenes? Really something. You know, I haven't watched it yet. Um, you're about the 100th person to tell me how cool <laughs> it is and, and how I need to do that. Um, you know, like right now my my days are full like i don't feel like i have like this this bandwidth to start watching things that i normally don't so i know at some point like what i'm dealing with will slow down a little bit but um at that point i apparently i'll have plenty of tv shows to stream so yeah um i guess i have that to look forward to that's a good one that's the only one that i'm watching and i haven't watched any netflix i've been pretty busy too but i have zero complaints and i know i know i'm just happy to to be able to be working and there are a lot of people that aren't but i i i hear all these people watching shows but that's the one i'm not sure if i'm going to be able to reserve two hours tonight this is mother's day i probably have to put it off but the sunday nights have been <laughs> have been pretty awesome from eight to ten well today at noon we are going to have the 2011 game six of the world series it's coming up in just 18 minutes john Mosellock has spent a little time with us and we always appreciate it on these sunday mornings have a great rest of your day mo thanks so much all right thank you happy mother's day to all Happy Mother's Day to the Mosellock family. We'll take a quick break. Chris Raby is in the house. This is going to be joining us to talk about the 2011 season as it wraps up today and tomorrow. That's next. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. On America's Sports Voice. KMOX. There's a lot of tums are going to go down tonight. <laughs> I already have. Here's the next. David Freeze. Swing it along with in the right. Get up, baby. Get up. was a legitimate feeling that I had. And I was just hearing people, even some within our organization, that were, were saying, well, it's been a good year. You know, we fought hard. We just didn't make it. That's the most improbable World Series winner ever. Sort of the stories and the stories were amazing. You think I'm being unreasonable? It's the first week of the season. Yeah. I don't understand this. Feels like he let down his team, thinking about stepping away. And I'm like, what? That's the first time I've heard it since I said it. Where's those guys at? You know, I, I guarantee they didn't. they couldn't afford the tickets to come to this game they're out there you know watching us on tv you know there was a lot of barking going on it gets the blood boiling sleeping dogs sometimes it's better to just let them sleep and winning was like secondary at the time i just wanted to clear with them you know he was always a guy that needed to talk i remember sitting in the bullpen they're like hey Mike, you got the ninth i was like like now everything that happened gained larger prominence sort of a higher degree of legend because the next thing was more amazing than the last the significance i mean winner goes on 
down, loser goes home. Tony said, I want, as a baseball fan, and this is what he told us, as a baseball fan, I want this series to go five games. I mean, this is the manager of the Cardinals. Tony said to me, if we lost that game, he wasn't going to fly home. You look back in these crazy moments, and they don't mean anything at the time, and the next thing you know, you're building a novel around them. Swinging another home run. There it is, his third of the game. Now I got five hits, so what, what are they going to say about it? Game six of the 2011 World Series is one of the greatest postseason games in baseball history. My mind was a blank. Stepping out, still composed, and I was just like, he's going to do this again. Freeze, hit it off the right field wall, and listen to this crowd. They have gone banana. Right, there had only been one team in history that ever got one strike away from losing the World Series once and won. And then the Cardinals did it two innings in a row. And then after the game, I said we live for another day. Just mayhem. <laughs> um, mayhem. Swing and a high drive to center field. Get up, baby. Get up, baby. Get up. And the way Hamilton was running, you're like, all right, he thinks this is gone too. Oh, yeah. So I was just like, holy cow, now, now what? <laughs> that is a creation of this man, Chris Raby. How are you, Rabes? I am good. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Very, very well done. Really Thank enjoyed you. that. I'm excited. It's been fun to have all of the 2011 games, Aaron, and I've had some incredible conversations over the last six weeks with people, and we're going to turn it into a oral history uh, documentary type show that'll debut on Wednesday and then be every Wednesday. Uh, you know, it's a multiple part series, kind of still some current reporting going on on it, but uh, really excited about it. So the timeline game six at noon today, we're going to let Chris go here in a second because he's got a pregame coming up at noon and then game seven Cardinals spoiler alert. They win it all tomorrow. Then we take a day on Tuesday to celebrate that 2011 season. And then the retrospective begins every Wednesday, starting May 13th. And we're going to have some classic games after that, including the 1985 NLCS go crazy folks. Jack Clark's home run. We're going to have a good time. Chris, very, very well done. Thank you, man. We'll hear from you at noon. It's 1151 back for a final word after this. KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Oh, yeah! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Our thanks to Cardinals manager Mike Schilt. He was terrific today. If you want to go back and listen to it, you can go to the radio.com app and use the rewind feature. You can listen to the last 24 hours, as a matter of fact. He aired in the 10 o'clock hour. It'll also be up and running on our Sports on a Sunday Morning podcast, which I've noticed has been gaining a lot of traction. People love to listen to the Sports on a Sunday Morning podcast throughout the week, and we really appreciate that. It's available on iTunes. I actually subscribe to it on iTunes, but you can go to KMOX.com, iTunes, whatever you want. Sports on a Sunday morning from KMOX and Radio.com. Uh, we also thank Chris Pronger. He was really good. And again, if you want to hear that full interview, the full interview, everything, it's on our Facebook Live on KMOX Sports. John Mosellock, the Cardinals president of baseball operations, was with us. Big thanks to him as well. And Chris Raby, who is coming up next. He'll be on at noon with our pregame of Game 6 of the 2011 World Series. You heard that right. Coming up at noon is the full game. Game 6 of the 2011 World Series, the greatest game ever played. Appreciate producer James O'Sullivan. I'm Tom Ackerman. We'll talk to you next Sunday. Okay. 
Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.